Hi guys, it's John Paulson. Just wanted to give you a quick note on our Black Friday sale. It's going to be happening this weekend. Uh, at some point on Thanksgiving, uh, the prices are going to drop. $4.44 for a classic sub, $9 for a rest of season uh, pro sub, and $19 for a rest of season DFS sub. There's not going to be a better deal uh, for the remainder of the year. So if you're on the fence, if you're a listener to the pod and want to support us a little bit, I want to check out the site, uh, this is a great way to do it. So uh, $4.44, $9 and $19, and that should start uh, at some point on Thanksgiving and run uh, through Black Friday. Uh, so get on it, and uh, now we're on to the pod. Accurate Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Stalter, joined as always by my co-host, he's 444.com senior editor, John Paulson. John, I know that the weekend couldn't have been too good since your Packers were shut out for the first time in like 900 years, but how are you doing otherwise? Well, I'm fighting a little bit of a cold. Uh, I know you are too, so if anybody wants a refund um, for the cost of the podcast, you know, whatever they pay for the podcast, just let us know and, and- We'll issue a refund for today's episode. I think the cost right now, the last time I checked, was uh, $0 and 0 cents. So, yes. Okay, we can We can we handle, can handle that, that yeah, refund. refund. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, tell us about the music that brought us in today. Yeah, this is a, a track called The General Specific. It's the fifth track uh, off of the album Cease to Begin by the band Band of Horses. The name of the band is Band of Horses. They're from uh, Seattle. They've got five... Uh, five uh, albums out, so kind of an underrated band. They had a couple songs on the radio, but uh, kind of flying under the radar. But this is a, uh, I was surprised this one wasn't on the uh, radio more, uh, kind of a minor, or it should have been a minor hit or a, uh, an alternative radio hit, uh, the general specifics. So check it out. All right, week 11 topics for fantasy. Let's start off with Chris Thompson. He suffered a, a broken leg in that disastrous loss for the Redskins. If you saw it, saw it yesterday, Washington was pretty much in command all game long, had a sizable lead in the fourth quarter, blew that thing, went in overtime, had an opportunity to potentially win that, uh, win, win that game in overtime. Long story short, they lose, adding, insult, adding injury to insult. Chris Thompson suffers that broken leg. From a fantasy perspective, is rookie Samaj P. Ryan a weekly starter, or is he matchup dependent in your eyes? Uh, well, I think his volume uh, will get him into the RB two ranks probably weekly because you know you look at what he did yesterday: twenty three carries. Um, he added one catch for nine yards, but then you know Thompson is leaving a pretty sizable hole in that running game. For you know he had four carries yesterday, and then uh, he had one catch for sixteen yards in the touchdown yesterday. Uh, but he usually catches four or five passes per game. So, um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I'm pulling up uh, P. Ryan's upcoming schedule. It looks pretty favorable. They have Giants, Dallas, Chargers. Those, those three teams can be run on. Uh, and then week 15, week 16, Arizona and Denver, a little bit tougher. Uh, but, you know, I would expect him to be ranked as a high-end RB2 for the next three weeks and then probably 
uh, a low end RB two, uh, fifteen sixteen. You know, John, I was feeling really good about Robert Woods. I slow played it a little bit. Finally got him into the lineup uh, on Sunday, and actually, I think I had him in the in my lineup the last two weeks. He was going off. He was great. Everybody's happy. Now he's suffered a sprained shoulder in that loss to the Vikings yesterday. He was seen after the game with his arm in a sling, which isn't encouraging for his side, for his status in Week 12. Woods had emerged as the Rams' number one wide receiver. Not knowing what his status will be in Week 12, let's say he's out for, for you know all intents and purposes, what does the injury do for Sammy Watkins and Cooper Cup? Well, he basically, Woods played the full game yesterday, basically. I mean, he had 76% of the snaps. He played 79% the week before, 70% the week before that. Uh, so... He, he got his usual allotment of playing time. He had 11 targets, uh, 10 targets the week before. So there's a, you know, there's now going to be 10, 11, you know, eight to 10 uh, targets available now. Uh, I would think that this would have to be the time that they actually get Sammy Watkins involved um, and start to feature him. Uh, you, you know, he's been with the team a while now and uh, you, you should be, you should know the offense. He played 83% of the snaps yesterday, but only saw four targets. Uh, so I would expect that his his usage would uh, increase here uh, with Woods out. I don't know that there's anybody uh, else on the roster, Tavon Austin, Farrell Cooper, um, that could really pick up this much slack. Uh, Cooper Cup's going to probably see a little bit more work, maybe more consistent work uh, going forward. I mean, he had five targets in Week 9, 7, and, and 7 in Week 10, Week 11. Uh, so he's been fairly consistent, but maybe we're going to see seven to nine now instead of uh, five to seven. There's a report by the Florida Times Union that uh, that that had the quote from Leonard Fournette, which said that his ankle could bother him the rest of the season. He said the best the best way for me to get it healed is to rest, and I don't have that much time. Fournette said the coaches have a great plan throughout the week to keep me fresh. That's about it. F- for owners that have Leonard Fournette, you really can't sit him. But are you concerned at all from? Uh, a fantasy perspective that this this could be a, a problem moving forward, or the fact that he rushed for twenty you know 111 yards yesterday and 28 carries an indication that he's going to be fine. Well, I would be more worried if he had 10 carries for 15 yards, or he had a game like he did last week where he only had 24 yards rushing or whatever it was. Yes, uh, you know, yesterday he 111 yards in the in the uh, rushing game and then seven yards uh, receiving on two catches. Uh, TJ Yeldon had five carries. Chris Ivory had six carries. Neither played really well. Um, so, I mean, I think it, you got to watch his practices. And if, if it starts to get really dicey on Friday and he's not even uh, practicing at all on Fridays, then you start to get concerned about his availability. Uh, but, you know, the fact that he's com- talking about his ankle injury is going to linger all year and he's coming off a 28-carry game, I think uh, you can – you can probably be confident that he's going to continue to see a heavy workload as long as he's active. We've now seen two games with the Eagles' new running back mix. Last night, Laguerre Blunt rushed 13 times for 57 yards, and he outsnapped Jay Ajayi, but Ajayi was the more effective ball carrier. He had seven carries, rushed for 91 yards. Do you trust Ajayi as a weekly RB2 in Philadelphia? Well, I don't know. I wouldn't say I trust him. He's been very effective, and um, but he's only – seeing a handful of carries at seven for 91 with a 71 yard run. Uh, he had one catch for 10 yards. They, they used him. He was the first one to carry the ball and they used him fairly evenly or a little bit more than blunt in the first half. Um, and then as the Eagles really jumped out to the biggest 
you know, the bigger lead, uh, they started pounding Blunt as the kind of the closer. So, you know, Ajayi's not going to get that closing, those closing touches right now. I don't know if they're waiting on him to sort of, I mean, it doesn't, it's not that hard to, to carry the ball when you're up 20 points and you just, you know, it's just a running play. Uh, so I don't know why they're limiting him other than just to maybe rest his knees and they're trying to keep him fresh for a playoff run. So he's going to have, he, he's probably going to have some of these games where he's, you know, only gets 30 or 40 yards rushing and uh, doesn't do much in the passing game. And uh, so that's where the lack of trust comes in. Cause that doesn't have that guaranteed workload. Uh, seven, seven carries for Jay, 13 for Blunt, six for Clement. And even Kenjin Barner got a, a carry and it was for the, for the touch, one of the touchdowns before you had a touchdown run. So, uh, it's it's kind of a committee right now, and then Ajayi is probably the most talented player in that committee. Um, so uh, it's just one of these situations where week to week you just don't know who's going to find the end zone or have the most yardage. Patriots backfield question. Deion Lewis rushed 10 times for 60 yards and caught all four of his targets for 28 yards and a touchdown. We talked a little bit about Rex Burkhead last week, but he put the ball on the ground in the first half yesterday, and immediately both the announcers said it, and I, I kind of thought it too. You can't fumble. And he and he didn't Burkhead Burkhead didn't lose the fumble because his team one of his teammates came in and grabbed it. Uh, but bottom line is Bill Belichick has proven time and time again that if you fumble, you put the ball on the ground. Even if you you were, you recover it or teammate recovers it, you're not going to play. So going back to Dion Lewis, is he back on the RB two radar for next week? Well, he was on the he's he's on it every week. He just is not uh, super dependable because the the touches aren't. Uh, in the you know fifteen to twenty range, or typically in the ten to fifteen range, you just don't know uh, how much work he's going to get on a weekly basis. I mean, Bur- Burkhead uh, caught a pat, or no, he, re- he rushed up the middle for four yards and then fumbled. And that was uh, in the middle of the first quarter. Uh, he did not get the first carry of the game, so they're still treating Deion Lewis as a starter, which is fine. Uh, and then Burkhead didn't touch the ball again until the middle of the second quarter, but they did go to him. Uh, as a receiver twice there. And then he finally got uh, another carry in the uh, start of the third quarter, I guess the second drive of the third quarter. Um, so they did, you know, he didn't totally get benched. And then he was in on the last drive, fourth quarter, to kind of salt the game away. So uh, I was excited about him this for this game, especially because it was a nice matchup with the Raiders. But uh, And I think his workload was scaled back. He probably was sitting on a on a couple series where he might have been in if uh, he, hadn't, he hadn't fumbled. Um, I think Lewis, generally speaking, is a pretty good play. Uh, the, the offense is um, so productive. Uh, you know, they score so many touchdowns. And if he's going to start getting receiving work as well, I mean, James White had one target. Uh, Deion Lewis had four, caught all four for 28 yards and touchdown. This is starting to look like uh, Deion Lewis of a couple of years ago where he was going in the, you know, had the good second half of the season. The following year, he went in the fourth or fifth round and I believe he got injured. Uh, but this is sort of what we were expecting from him, you know, 14 touches, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Danny Woodhead was activated off the IR, had a okay day. He caught five of six passes for 21 yards. So the receptions were there. The yardage wasn't. But the uh, the fact of the matter is he was involved in that short passing game for the Ravens. You like him as a flex option moving forward? Yeah, I didn't uh, have him ranked real high this week because first week back after a long layoff, typically they don't give him a huge workload. But uh, he basically took over all of Buck Allen's passing game role. Uh, Buck Allen saw one target. Uh, Woodhead saw six. Uh, but but Allen was still involved as a runner. He had he had the second most carries after Alex Collins, who had 20. Uh, Allen had three. And then Danny Woodhead only got one. So if 
I mean, if this is going to be um, a three-man committee, then it's going to limit the upside of, of all these guys. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if Woodhead starts to get more carries and Buck Allen sort of fades to the background, but it seems like uh, they're going to keep him involved in the, in the, in the running game at least. Uh, for those that went back to the Kenyon Drake well, you went back to the well one too many times. And I could say that for one of my DFS leagues. I saw it was a nice cheap option. He had 104 and 92 yards from scrimmage of the last two two weeks respectively. And then he crashed and burned on Sunday against the Buccaneers. He had seven carries for only four yards. He only had one reception for 10 yards. He outsnapped Damian Williams 38-27 to 27 in the game. But uh, Williams was the more effective back. What do you think now with Miami? Do you think that those two weeks were fluke? Do you think yesterday was the fluke? How do you size up Miami's backfield? Well, they're still starting Damian Williams, and then this was the game where he actually broke the long one. He had a 69-yard uh, run. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, so he only had, what, uh, nine yards on the, his other nine carries? Uh, so, I mean, the running game is, I mean, they ended up with decent numbers, 4.4 yards per carry, but it all was on that, all hinged on that 69-yard run by Damian Williams, and his numbers look great. But when you really look at them, um, not effective on a uh, every on an every carry type basis, uh, and then Williams got the one catch for twenty four yards. Drake got one catch for ten yards. So this is I think this is another situation where the Buccaneers defense is getting better. Uh, last was it last week where they played the Jets? Uh, they shut down Bilal Powell pretty well, um, if I remember correctly. Uh, in a game where I thought he would. Uh, have more success because the Buccaneers defense has just been pretty awful all year. But they're, this was a, this was a defense that I really liked heading into the season. And all of a sudden they had five injuries and to the starting, uh, starting defenders. And uh, they were just getting shellacked in the first uh, uh, quarter, first half of the season. Now they're getting healthy. Now they're, you know, worth a look as a streamer, but on the flip side, they're, they're starting to limit some of these other teams from doing what they want to do. Um, you know, they kind of shut down De- Devontae Parker who had nine targets, but only four catches Kenny Stills was the one that got off on him, 180 yards and a touchdown. Uh, so I think this Miami running game is not going to be super strong all year. And if you're splitting time now between Williams and Drake, it doesn't look like they they're, have any, indicator, any indicators that they're going to just start giving Drake 15 to 20 touches per game. Um, so it's going to be kind of a headache if he's not busting one of those long runs. Corey Coleman had a nice return for the Browns. He caught six of 11 targets for 80 yards in that loss to the Jaguars. He led the Browns in every receiving category. And for all intents and purposes, he looked like the the team's clear-cut number one receiver. The problem, of course, is that you got Deshaun Kaiser under center, and Deshaun Kaiser has not been good, although he, he looked like he maybe was playing a little bit better in that loss to the Lions two weeks ago. Yesterday, it all fell off again. Uh, what's Corey Coleman's upside fantasy wise? Well, this is a really nice uh, day for him. I, I would just I, I, this is not a game where I was watching a lot of it. It wasn't on the red zone a lot, and there were like almost no mentions of Corey Coleman that I remember as I was watching uh, yesterday. And I went to look at his uh, his stat line and six for eighty. Uh, you know, getting eighty of one hundred and seventy nine yards from Kaiser, getting eleven targets of his thirty two uh, Kaiser's thirty two pass attempts. That's uh, more than a third of his. Uh, of his volume, this is a great. Uh, this is great for Coleman. If he's going to see twenty-five to thirty-five percent of the targets, then he's going to be, uh, you know, a wide receiver three type in in PPR formats. Uh, you know, they're not going to catch a lot of. He's not going to catch a lot of touchdowns because Browns just don't score very many touchdowns. Uh, but in PPR formats, you know, the fourteen points in his first game back after a long layoff is uh, a great return for him. 
The news keeps getting worse in Green Bay. Uh, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel reports that Aaron Jones was arrested for speeding, driving without a valid license, and operating a vehicle with a controlled substance in his system. And that arrest came in early October. Uh, boy, he really ran the gamut there, John, in terms of breaking the law. Uh, this is I didn't necessarily want to focus on Aaron Jones, but I, I brought it up anyways. Opportunity to talk about Jamal Williams here. He rushed 18 times for 57 yards. He also caught four passes for 38 yards because Brett Hundley's so bad. You know, Jamal Williams is going to be a nice volume play, but but is he RB2? Is he more an RB3? After getting a chance to watch Jamal Williams play, what, what were your thoughts? I thought he did pretty well, uh, all things considered. He was probably – he and maybe Devontae Adams were the two bright spots uh, uh, on the offense. Um he played 88% of the snaps, uh, the 22 uh, touches, 95 total yards. So that's good. They just, I mean, obviously didn't score a touchdown. Um, they didn't really <laughs> even threaten except for the first drive, which was, which was a nice drive. And then they, uh, instead of running it, they uh, kind of throw a, a whatever slant pattern or a out pattern to a covered player and gets picked off. Um, so that was just sort of how the day went for them after it was all downhill after that. Uh, but I think, I think Williams is a volume guy. So you're looking at his, his, uh, upcoming schedule, the Pittsburgh Steelers next week, that's going to be a tough game. Uh, we're, we're getting into where the Packers, uh, this was, this last game was one they needed to win. They were five and four. Uh, now they're, is that correct? Now they're five and five. I, yes. Five and five. I just want to look at that. Yes. Okay. So, um, they're on the cusp of. Just being like, okay, <laughs> season's over. Uh, they go, they go five and six uh, if they lose at Pittsburgh, which I would expect they will next week. Um, but that, and that's a tough matchup for Williams. I mean, you could run him out there as an RB two, three flex type guy, and then Tampa was improving at home, and then Cleveland on the road. You know, the, the Packers really need to win both of those games to get back to what seven and six, and to have a chance to. Um, maybe run the table week 15, 16, 17 with Rodgers back in the fold, right? Because uh, they got to go play Carolina in week 15. They're not going to beat them with Hunley under center. Uh, then, So if, if, if Rodgers is not able to come back by then, then the season's pretty much over. So long story short, Williams is sort of a 15 to 20 carry guy, but Ty Montgomery will be back probably next week, uh, if not the week after. And that's going to turn this into more of a committee where Montgomery's getting five or six uh, carries is probably, you know, out there and passing downs, um, catching those passes that uh, Williams caught. I uh, kept going back to the Tariq Cohen well, John, over the last couple mm-hmm. of weeks. Finally, I had enough. I said, I'm not doing it again. I, I got to find something else. My running back depth chart was decimated. So that's why I stuck with Cohen as long as I could. And, of course, on Sunday, with him on the bench, uh, he collected 44 yards and a touchdown on nine carries. He also played 31 snaps, 49% of the Bears' offensive total. He was well ahead of Benny Cunningham, which he should be. And he even had, I think, as many snaps as Jordan Howard, if I'm not mistaken. My question to you is, can I trust Cohen again moving forward, or should I just leave him on the bench? And this was just a one-week one aberration. Well, it's certainly encouraging. Uh, 
last you know week ten, Cunningham played forty seven percent of the snaps. Cohen played twenty two percent of the snaps. And then they flipped it forty nine percent of the snaps for Cohen uh, this week. Uh, Cunningham twenty seven percent of the snaps, and uh, he started seeing targets again and uh, carries again. Thirteen um, touches for fifty nine yards and a touchdown. Uh, six targets with Benny, Benny Cunningham only getting two targets. So I don't know if this is a response to or the, the the Bears sort of figuring out that they need to have Cohen out there as a receiver at the very least, and um, they don't want to overwork. Howard. So when the running game's going a little bit, I mean, Cohen had a 15 yard run, uh, average 4.9 yards per carry. So if he's running the ball well like that, then all of a sudden they start to give him some work. I think he's back in the mix now. You could throw him out there in PPR formats as a, you know, I started theoretic over Cohen this week and obviously regretted it uh, in one of my leagues, but just the way that the playing time had been diminishing, it just, there's no trust. But now I'd be more inclined uh, to maybe run him out there as an RB2, RB3 flex type. All right, this is kind of an intriguing situation in Denver. So Devontae Booker rushed 44 times on 14 carries. He also added five catches for 54 yards on six targets in that loss to the Bengals. Here's where it gets interesting. C.J. Anderson um, was outtouched by Booker. He also fumbled. And right before that, we jumped on the podcast, the Broncos announced that Mike McCoy, the offensive coordinator, was fired. So every time there's uh, a firing with a coordinator, things kind of the landscape kind of changes. Devontae Booker, for my money, is the better athlete overall. He's probably the best athlete on on that that uh, that Denver roster. And and I know Jamal Charles is there too. He's a good athlete, but I think Booker being younger, Jamal Charles passes prime. Yada yada yada. Uh, what do you think about Booker moving forward now that Bill Musgrave is the offensive coordinator there? Yeah, we just won't know how he treats these guys because you know this is sort of the change in usage you would see after the coordinator change. Um, you, you know, you would see all of a sudden see Booker uh, playing more, you know, next week when uh, the, the coordinator has a chance to, to put his stamp on the on the backfield. But this happened uh, the day before McCoy got fired. So we don't know. This might have been a McCoy decision. And uh, the Musgrave comes in and decides, no, we're, you know, Anderson's our guy or even Jamal Charles is our guy or whatever. But Jamal Charles is like faded to the background here. Three carries, seven yards, uh you know, Booker has basically eaten all of his snaps up and touches up. Uh, I think Booker is worth a uh, an ad uh, just to see if this sort of continues. I mean, if he's getting 19 touches, he's going to be startable, uh, and we'll see. You know, we'll have to wait and see what, what how Musgrave treats this backfield. Uh, Anderson did get the touchdown, but that fumble um, really hurt, and uh, you know, I think it uh, may lead to more work for Booker. All right, final question, then we'll talk a little bit about the Monday Night Football matchup. Calvin Benjamin gets hurt yesterday. Looks like it's pretty serious. Any thoughts on Zay Jones, given the Buffalo passing game? And Nathan Peterman throws five interceptions yesterday in his NFL debut. They had to go back to Tyrod Taylor. Don't really know what the quarterback situation is moving forward for the Bills. Regardless, whether it's Peterman, Tyrod Taylor, what do you think of Zay Jones? Go. Well, it's just just so weird that they would – you know, they're in the playoff hunt, and I know that uh, Tyrod Taylor had a bad game uh, the week before. Then they go to Peterman, and he just is completely not ready. And I don't know how they're not able to see that in practice. Or, I, I mean, I guess he came in and had a pretty good second half in cleanup duty. Um, yeah, I guess that was against the Saints last week. Uh, but 
so that's just so weird. And then Tyrod comes out and he's just playing as hard as he can for this team that just seems to hate him. I don't know. It's just such a weird situation. Uh, if if Benjamin is out for a while or, you know, it's a serious injury or whatever, uh, Jordan Matthews will be back uh, in the slot. But Zay Jones has uh, actually played pretty well. I mean, he's, he was so dreadful for the first half of the season. Um, his, you know, he's, you know, even with a couple of decent weeks, he's still only caught 20 passes on 51 targets. I mean, that is just completely awful. Um, but the last two weeks, it's been better. Uh, six for 53 and a touchdown on seven targets against the Jets in uh, week nine. I'm sorry, the last three weeks because he missed a week 10 with an injury and then he came back uh, against the Chargers four for 68 on seven targets. Uh, these are solid uh, PPR days, obviously. Uh, and then the the the, the um, schedule's great. Uh, Chiefs week 12, Patriots week 13, Colts week 14, Dolphins week 15, Patriots again week 16. So this is really nice down the stretch for either Matthews or Jones. And actually Jones is the one that's showing more, more life right now. Um, and then the other thing that might happen is if Benjamin's out, you might see Deontay Thompson uh, playing significantly more snaps. I mean, he played 49% of the snaps yesterday. I just want to see how many uh, Benjamin played. Benjamin played six, 6.2% of the snaps. So, um, you know, he was a part-time player, Deontay Thompson. He played 81% of snaps against the Saints, 69% against the Jets when he had seven catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. Um, but, I mean, if if Jordan Matthews is out, Kelvin Benjamin's out, you might see uh, Deontay Thompson and Zay Jones as the top two receivers for the Bills, and that's kind of a sad state of affairs, but they may be useful uh, in deeper leagues. All right, John, let's wrap it up with a little bit of a preview for the Monday night football game. I'm, I'm obviously interested in this one. There's some major implications when, when you look at the NFC Wilds card. You have Atlanta going up to going up to Seattle. Thoughts on Tevin Coleman. He's going to have an opportunity to be the number one back with Devontae Freeman out. Uh, what With Freeman, with we don't know how long Freeman's going to be sidelined for. What, what do you think Tevin Coleman's upside is? Well, I think he's got RB1 upside if, if – Freeman's out a while. Uh, I think he's got, got that kind of talent. I have him ranked as an RB one this week due to the you know the short week, uh, four teams on by plus uh, his likely workload. Uh, I'm interested to see if the Fal- Falcons actually treat him that way and give him the bulk of the, not just the bulk, but you know almost all the carries because they've got uh, Teron Ward there as well that they'll probably sprinkle in. And I, I suppose it depends on how well he's running and uh, how well the Seattle defense is is playing with the injuries to Richard Sherman and um, they've got a safety out as well. And um, Cam Chancellor. So uh, if, if Atlanta is able to move the ball, um, you know, Coleman's a guy, even if he's not running the ball that well, he can help in the passing game and, and help move the ball in the passing game as well. So uh, this is, I, I need some points from him tonight in a couple of weeks. So, uh, uh, and my son Max is starting him this week. So uh, he needs a, a nice game out of Coleman for the win. Uh that that part of it is interesting, and this is obviously these are obviously two good teams in the NFC, um, and you know Matt Ryan on the road in Seattle, tough place to play. But the, you know how bad is this, or how much does the the injuries to the Seattle uh, defense hurt that defense? Are they going to be um, the shutdown defense that we typically see at home? Or are they going to now be vulnerable uh, to Matt Ryan and the, and the Falcons, who could definitely move the ball? That's that's the one other thing that I'm looking forward to too. As you mentioned, John, no Cam Chancellor. You don't have Richard Sherman now. Earl Thomas is back, and you can't overlook that because he, he, to me, outside of maybe Bob, Bobby Wagner, he's the most important piece in that defense. For as good as Richard Sherman is, for as good as Cam Chancellor is, in that system where you're playing a lot of cover three, 
you better have a center fielder that can cover the seam and cover the post. And Earl Thomas does both perhaps better than any safety in the league. So him coming back, I think, is huge. However, Michael Bennett's a little banged up. He's probable, should play. But that Seattle that Seattle defense is uh, as banged up as we have seen it over the last four or five years. So like you, from a fantasy perspective and a, and a real football perspective, how vulnerable now is that Seattle defense? I think that'll be really interesting tonight. Atlanta has has weapons galore. They've got a lot of talent on offense, uh, but they don't always play that way. And as you noted too, Matt Ryan going up to Seattle, it's a tough, tough place to play for opposing quarterbacks. Although Kirk Cousins got it done on the road a couple of weeks ago. So we'll see what happens tonight. Anything else you're looking for tonight or can we wrap it up? Well, I just wanted to add that uh, in the one game over, I don't know, the last three seasons that Devontae uh, Freeman has missed, Coleman had 18 carries in that game. And then last week um, with with Freeman getting knocked out, uh, he had 20 carries for 83 yards. He had one catch for five yards. They don't, uh, in that other game that I mentioned earlier that he met, uh, Freeman missed, he didn't have a catch. He had two targets, Coleman did. So it wasn't like they looked for him a lot as a receiver, but they might this week against Seattle since uh, they're pretty tough against the run. Yeah, and he should be. A, he should be. He should have a huge role tonight with Cam Chancellor out. I mean, I would imagine they're going to try to put him on a linebacker, uh, just like they did against Denver last year. When when Atlanta went to Denver, they used Tevin Coleman in the slot a lot. And even though even with the Devontae Freeman out, I, I wonder if they're going to be moving him all around tonight. So it should be interesting. All right, John, that that'll do it for us. You can follow John on Twitter at four 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 underscore John. You can follow me as well at Anthony Stalter. Appreciate you tuning in. Good luck tonight. I I too have Tevin Coleman in a lot of leagues, both standard, both uh, year long and DFS, John. So. That makes three of us that needs a big night out of Tevin Coleman. I also have Russell Wilson in a couple leagues as well. So if you're like me and you're like John, you're like Max, good luck tonight. Hope you win. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you again soon on the Most Accurate Podcast. You, you need-